Happy New Year? It's Animation Celery. Yeah, crunchy conversations about late cartoons or late cartoons about crunchy conversation. I don't even know. Read a book today, I bet you'll say, okay, I'll read more too. Just kidding, readings for nerds. I'm one of the cartoon guys, Micah. I'm the guy whose internet was out for the last three days and so I read a book, Matsy. <laughs> this is Animation Celery. It's a podcast where we give each other cartoons to watch. Then we come back and recap and discuss them. Um, happy New Year, I guess? Uh, this is our New Year's show. Better mm -hmm. late than never. Uh, so we're looking at cartoons that we always wanted to give each other but just never found a place for in 2022. Uh, for example, uh, for some reason, every time Micah gave me a theme, my mind went to Ned's Newt. So I said, here you go. Mm. And uh, I, <laughs> Micah was much nicer to me by giving me SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, say. Oh, man, we'll get to that. But uh, first, um, last year, in our spectacular review of uh, the Care Bears movie, mm. we started off... That was our New Year's show that year. And we started off with a list of our top five things from the previous year. And because it's a new year, trust me, it is. Uh, we're going to do that again. Top five. All right. Uh, Why don't okay. I stop, start us off here? Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So my number five was a comedy bit about animation celery slammers. This is a <laughs> fictional video game that. This was during the time when Nickelodeon came out with its all-star brawl. Mm -hmm. And then Multiverses came out from Warner Brothers. Yeah. So the idea was that uh, all the weird stuff we review on this podcast would somehow get licensed to a platform brawler video game. Yeah. And uh, boy, what a fertile time that was. What fun week to week <laughs> coming up with. <laughs> I, I made up trailers uh, rumors about this game <laughs> and a, a character roster that is uh, something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have like uh, some that were strict clones from uh, other games. So like uh, we had Princess Toadstool as a straight ripoff of Princess Peach <laughs> and King Koopa. This, I think King Koopa was the same. Um, and then... Uh, uh, who do we have? We had Nelly uh, Vanilli as DLC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it is. Um, yeah, we got to start. We start. Got to start creating the. Uh, I don't know. Fighters pass for Asian right. celery slammers. Little Audrey was in it. Uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice cartoon. Beetlejuice was in it. Mm. Uh, my personal uh, piece de resistance, I think, was not even Larson Petty the villain from the ALF cartoon, <laughs> but <laughs> his alternate self uh, art cuisine from ALF Tales, John Henry cartoon. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun week after week coming up with that nonsense. So uh, that's my number five. <laughs> All right. Um, the rule that I have for my own is that yeah. um, I'm only doing stuff that you recommended to me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm not picking my own things. Uh, so number five, believe it or not, okay. I looked through the list and I thought, you know what? This is actually one of the most amusing things that I've seen all year. Yeah. Was uh, the Faithful Wookiee. 
the oh, wow. <laughs> the animated segment from the Star Wars Holiday Special. I just yeah. can't get that caricature of Harrison Ford out of my head. He's so perfect. Squinty. Oh, it's amazing. And then the head on one in the end of the cockpit. I was like, <laughs> I, I was, I'll get into it later, but I was staying with my parents for a few days and like there was more than once where I was tempted to just like, oh, you've got to see this Harrison Ford caricature. <laughs> I, I didn't because I figured they're not going to care about Harrison Ford, but man, I, as soon, like I said, just looking down the list of episodes we did, like that stuck out. It's like, oh, that. I mean, it's fresh in my mind because we did it very recently. But at the same time, it's like it stuck with me in a way that, you know, it's one of the top five things that stuck with me this year. So, yeah, maybe we should uh, check out the the devil and Daniel Mouse and uh, Romeo and Julie eight sometime. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> For stuff that looks pretty darn similar. Hmm. Uh, you know, Nelvana. Yeah, we'll get to that. OK, uh, go ahead. My number four is Return of the King, but not just the Return of the King movie, which in itself is a funny thing to have in here since huh. I described it multiple times as a little bit boring. Um, uh -huh. But rather the way it implemented on our show, <laughs> <laughs> we had so many problems. You, you, you titled the... Uh, the podcast entry where there's five waves, there's a way. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Because there's a song in there that goes like, where there's a whip, there's a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was just a cursed recording. Like yeah. my thing cut out. And so we re-recorded and we still, you think you still needed to add more stuff? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, never mind the fact that I like Rankin Bass, despite the fact that those cartoons are heavily flawed. Um so, you know, it was interesting. It really put us off our schedule for a long time. Yeah, that was a weird one. There was a yeah. festering malignancy in that uh, yes. podcast. <laughs> Turned out there was festering malignancy all over the place, but we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, uh, my number four, again, these are all quite baffling. Well, some of them are. Okay, I mean, uh, okay these, these first two are baffling, but trust yeah. me. I got a real kick out of the Tales of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I had to watch a bunch of it because you gave me like a few episodes. Just, but to find uh, They're only a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah, but to find them, I had to watch a bunch of them. Oh, um, <laughs> And it was just, it, it's such a fun little show. Like it was, it was neat to, because, you know, when I was a kid and this came on, I was like, oh, this, this is, you know, low budget and old and stupid. Yeah. But as an adult, I could recognize the charm in it. And it was really sure. fun to go back and see it again and be like, actually, this is all right. I'm enjoying these voices. I'm enjoying this character design of Dorothy. Um, mm. I love the way that the scarecrow's feet windmill along the ground. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, coming back to something I hadn't seen in like 30 years. And it was like, this is actually pretty charming. So, yeah. Yeah. And I the dug the tales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The voice, were, yeah, everything about it. Like, it's it's simple, but like charming that's the word mm. it, it was a lot of fun to watch so i enjoyed coming back to that again hmm swell swell yeah okay so my number three is watching adventure time the lemon grab saga ah um, you picked out a series of episodes that all had to do with the lemon grabs hmm. um and i like adventure time although i don't like religiously watch it but it was a good experience watching watching these hmm. and kind of getting context um, it's always like I figure people play up the continuity of it, 
but it plays like such a minor role. It's like underlying, but you know, I think you can watch each of these. I've always said each episode is pretty self-contained, but if you look carefully, there's usually one thing that contributes Mm. to the overarching story. Hmm. Okay. It's all like, oh yeah, Finn's going in this weird adventure in a pillow fort. Okay. But it turns out that that's how Golb finds out about, ooh, like Hmm. little things like that where, you know, you can enjoy it by itself. But then later you're like, oh, wait a minute, because of the small thing that happened in that one scene in that one episode. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, everything, the way it looks and especially uh, the, um, not just the genialness of the characters, but their, Hmm. their uh, kind of um, hep mannerisms. Yeah. I just like the show in general. Yeah, the the best dialogue on TV. Mm, wow, okay, sure. I've, I've said that before, and I think it was during that episode that you agreed with me. <laughs> well, it's fresh to me each time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Right. Yeah, I'll go for it. Okay. Uh, what have I got uh, for my number three? Rilakkuma and Kaoru. Really? It's nice huh. to see people still doing stop motion well these days. Hmm. Um... And yeah, I don't know. It's it's just good. I love those big fat pancakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's. I don't know. It's it's a it's a good show. Yeah, and, and there's you know, kind of like um, I don't know if I'll go into it on uh, this episode, but uh, I've been watching Gudetama, hmm? which is about an egg, like a uncooked egg yolk, <laughs> personified. Okay. And his his whole character is that he's lazy and unmotivated. There's <laughs> sort of like this uh, insurgence of um, unmotivated characters, like <laughs> main characters. I don't know where it comes from. You could argue <laughs> Rilakkuma is not really a main character exactly. The cow really is. But hmm. at any rate, there's a sort of a weird um, uh, appreciation, uh, fantasy about getting to be as lazy as these as these characters. Yeah, yeah. Well. Hmm. Yeah, I got kind of bored with being lazy. But hmm. we'll get into that. All uh, right. What do you got for number 2? My number 2 oh. is Kaiba. Oh, um, wow. I am surprised that that is that high. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I watched the entire series in that that's, week. So That's true. Yeah, that's I mean, it's a short series, but yeah, you're right. Okay, so Kaiba is a very unique cyberpunk story. The setting is unique, but even like the technology is very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the usual sort of circuits and transistors sort of high tech stuff, but rather like here's a weird horn like gun that turns you into liquid, yeah. you know, or here's a weird other gun that lets you walk into other people's uh, uh, psyches and uh, yeah. weird body swapping. Um, yeah, it's very unique. But also there's another layer to this. Um, so it's directed by Masaki Yuasa. Mm-hmm. And uh, long ago, my workplace w- was situated such that if I hurried, I could catch the train and go have a slice of pizza um, and, and make it back in time. But as I did, I'm opposite the Rio Theater. Um, this is a... You know, probably a lot of towns have these, like, old theaters, right, where it's maintained by nostalgia, mostly. Mm -hmm. And so they'll often show old movies or, or, you know, indie stuff. 
and occasionally they'll show anime features. And so for a while, while I was eating my slice of pizza, I would look across at the poster for a movie called Lou Over the Wall and just fantasize, like, I'm going to watch that. I'm not going to research it. I'm just going to watch it. Hmm. And I did, and it is fabulous. And it's directed by Yuasa, ah. one of the, uh, yeah. So he, he's a very strange creator. Uh, yeah. So it was really neat to find some of his early work in watching Kaiba. Um, so he he is diverse. Lou Over the Wall is a children's movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just full of good times. Like, she, uh, it's it's kind of a take on uh, The Little Mermaid. And her siren song uh, bewitches people into dancing. And it is very hard not to smile when any of the dancing bits come up in that movie. Um, huh. But after doing that, he like worked on Devilman Crybaby, which is uh, inspirational if you search for it, but otherwise is quite depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like somewhere in the middle, he, oh, I can't remember the name of it. He, he made a series and movie about a group that goes on a pub crawl. So they just go drinking from pub to pub. Hmm. And it's got the same sort of, you know, funny look. And it, like, that's one thing that cracked me up where a character took a drink so big that it swelled them like in a traditional cartoon, like <laughs> it made a, made a circular lump that went down their throat and chest and then finally settled. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's a very unique director and it was really cool to see Kaiba. Admittedly, it starts better than it finishes, yeah. but really cool that's my number two yeah i i can dig that like i there's a reason that i gave it to you because i i saw a clip of it on youtube and went what the hell is this then i yeah, watched yeah. it and went actually this is kind of awesome you'll and, never mix uh, it up in your memories for anything else now that's true it it, it has a really unique look um i mm. thought it was going to be quite old actually it has that kind of round cherubic like 80s anime look to it in some respect um, well he remade uh, Devil Man, which is like from the seventies, so I think, mm. yeah. Mm. Plus, also, he does um, maybe not at the time of Kaiba, but in co-founding Saru um, Saru Science, is that the studio that mm. uh, they they use Flash for a lot of their stuff, which oh, yeah. accounts for a lot of the look. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, my number two um, is One Punch Man. Whoa. Um, because. I, you know, I've just said that I like weird anime and there's a lot mm. of weird anime, but I mean, like weird in a unique way. Sure. Stands like, out. I like, yeah, exactly. Like you see a picture of what's the character's name. It is not Saitama. Saitama. You see a picture of me. You're like, this doesn't look like anything. What? <laughs> um, well, if anything, it looks like more like the uh, four panel comic strip sort of mm-hmm, mo- yeah. uh, anime, you know, like or. Yeah. or Children's things like On Pon Man, which is partly where he comes from, right? The right, right. the, the uh, superhero that's got uh, bread for a head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like the I, I, I like the boredom of it. But I also like uh, something that I didn't mention in the episode we talked about. I'm not sure if I had consciously noticed it. I think it might have s- s- slithered into my brain afterwards. Mm-hmm. Was so One Punch Man was like. Or Saitama's like, I'm going to train until I can beat any foe with one punch. And he does. And he's like, well, now yep. I'm bored. But then I started to think about the other character, like the, the people that he was punching. Yes. And he's like, 
I love crab and I ate so much crab that I turned into a crab. I want to be the strongest person in the world. So I trained until I was the strongest person and I wanted to be the smartest person. And we overpopulated. We bred so much that now we need. I noticed that every character had this theme of doing the thing they love to do until it got the better of them. Excess. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, that's an interesting theme as well. Like it's, it's this, it's this cool idea for a superhero and a cool idea for like, ugh, I, I, I'm just going to go, I don't know, I'm bored by everything because I'm invincible. But then everyone around him is like, we also had a thing that we wanted to do and now we've achieved it. And it's kind of, or, or even the guy, I love making, I love customizing cars. So I customize right. myself to be a car. Like that's the theme of, of all, at least in that first episode. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm kind of, it, it, it intrigued me, this <laughs> this I, I, I like I like wacky superheroes. I kind of want you to check out more of it because mm. um, in particular, I don't remember if it's in episode two or three, but when he reveals his training program that made him lose all his hair and become so strong, mm. I love his training program. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll look forward to that. So, yeah, mm. one punch man. All right. Um, I got some honorable mentions before I get to my number one. Right. So first one, Hammerman. <laughs> no, not the not the cartoon with MC Hammer. Um, so over the course of the year, I padded out my chat section with my My Little Pony Friendship is Magic completion tour. Right. It was sort of like an unfinished, well, it was literally an unfinished uh, <laughs> segment of my life. So I figured I, I, I want to, and, and something most people seemingly haven't completed. So thought yeah. I'd do that and it was mostly pretty enjoyable. So. Yeah. Good. Um, uh, Persepolis. Oh, uh, it's so good. goes on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a impulse watch. Well, not really. I, I already knew it was a movie I wanted to watch, and I saw it on uh, Roku's free channel. Right. Um, here's here's one you might not have expected. Here and there by a bombswin. That's kind of hmm. stuck in my head. Uh, quotes from that show stick in my head. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> them chanting "Mama" or you know, like, "Host face." Bean head. Um, it's over. So, <laughs> yeah, interesting, fun, short. Oh, she, she's good. Did you ever watch her sec- her other one, uh, I Like Girls? I did watch that one, yes. Cool. At first, I was a little confused because I thought that it would be one person's account of various times in their life of being attracted to women. And not, you know, of course, quickly I figured out that it was different people's um, testimonials, I guess. Yeah. Put to animation. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I like um, that one. But yeah, here and there is pretty good. Let's see. Uh, the Tex Avery and Chuck Jones episode where we coincidentally gave each other one of each from oh, those directors. Oh, yeah. That was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I'll put one here as a speculative honorable mention. Um, the Amazing World of Gumball. I haven't watched more of it yet, but I sure like it. So, yeah. Um, I, I got excited recently because the, the shady website that I stream my cartoons from had something called, uh, I think it's called the Gumball Chronicles showing mm-hmm. up as, as like, you know, it has like, these are all the new cartoons that I'm uploading. And it was like the, the Gumball Chronicles episode five. And I'm like, whoa, wait, are they making more Gumball? Hmm. It turns out it's just compilations of like, you know, uh. best. I, I think it's like somebody, you know investigating i don't know youtube videos or something of what happens in the city of elmore and it's a thin excuse for a best of series um, oh 
All right. But no, Gumball's good, man. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully I find out. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sure that I'll watch more of it. Um, yeah. How about you? Do you have any ones that didn't quite make the list? Uh, a couple. Um, yeah. I said that these things that I put on my list were things that you gave me. So I'm putting mm-hmm. this down as a, an honorable mention because it's one that I wanted to watch, which is the 12 tasks of Asterix. Yeah. Asterix, whatever. Um, <laughs> because I yeah. knew that Asterisk, Asterix was a thing, but mm. I had never really investigated it. And so it was really fun to see this like classic comic series. I mean, in the format of a TV show or movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like learn what Asterix is. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I'm like, okay, I could, I understand. Well, I'm not going to say I understand why Europeans fawn over this thing so much, but I, it, it's good. Like, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was it's neat. funny. It was neat to gain an understanding of that classic cartoon character. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of those movies. I wouldn't mind watching more of them. I watched hmm. one of the modern ones. Um, hmm. hmm. And there's it, like a it had a lot of very funny movie. stuff. Yeah. Um, and the other one, I have one other honorable mention, just because like I can't shake the feeling that there's something here, yeah. and that's the special magic of herself, the elf. Oh wow! <laughs> like it's just, I mean, it's not great, but like no. I, I just can't shake the feeling that you could do something with that concept. I also like the, one of the voices, like the, I can't remember who it mm. was, the, the soft-spoken one whose voice is everywhere. Yeah, what like, was her power? Uh, was it weather? Hmm. Was she the sound one? I mean, that I think she's funny. the sound one. I think yeah. so, too. Like, Ironically. Like, whooping Nightingale or something like that, I don't know. But, like, there's something about that show that, like, like I said, like, I kind of like... I think the character designs are kind of cute. I like that particular voice. And I just feel like the concept could go somewhere. Like, Hmm. yeah. I mean, it probably won't, but. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to sooner see more Madball stuff out of those (laughs) lovable characters from Cleveland than more herself, the elf. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. right. Okay. So my number one. Yeah. There is some overlap. Okay. My number one is the. The grand volume of Wizard of Oz cartoons that we looked at over the years. Okay, end. yeah, not bad. Not a bad decision. Yeah. 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 Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz from yep. the, the one styled around the MGM movie. Yep. Uh, yep. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the, the Japanese one. Right. Um, Tales of the Wizard of Oz, which is on your list from Crawley Studios. Yes. Um, and of course, Lost in Oz, right. a uh, modern take on it that uh, I watched one season of. I probably will advance to the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, this past week, I, <laughs> um, remember I said that I was quiet quitting my work. <laughs> so, um, I've managed to sneak in reading the marvelous land of Oz during work. Mm. Uh, and it's weird that I hadn't since it's actually the second book in the Oz series. Oh, um, yeah. It doesn't feature Dorothy, even though, um, the, Film and animation adaptations of it do inject her into it. Um, it's more like Tip is the main character, the little boy uh, servant to the witch Mombi. Um, anyway, it's 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 got all the Oz stuff. One thing that was kind of weird in it was that uh, it was more farcical 
than other Oz books I've read. I mean, they, they all are, but this was like Marx Brothers stuff. Hmm. Um, so like Jack Pumpkinhead gets to Oz before Tip does. And so he's left, he's, he's, he's a dope and he's, he's left to uh, try to discuss with the Scarecrow what's going on. But he warns like, oh, wait, this is the Emerald City and I'm from Gillikin country. So we must speak different languages. And Scarecrow agrees like, oh, you're right. Well, I'll get a translator. And so they bring in Jellia Jam, who's who's a munchkin, or not, uh, well, an Emerald Cityan, who, who knows the language of the munchkins and also spent some time in Gillikin country to translate for them. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they're, they understand each other clearly. They're all speaking the same language. <laughs> so, and, and she's sabotaging them by mistranslating them, oh. which irks them. Like, she'll say like, uh, oh, and uh, he said that you're really stupid. And then Jack will interject like, hey, and Scarecrow goes, wait, wait for the translation. <laughs> so, it's, it's all farcical like that. Yeah. One of the things that I think was especially fun uh, is that at one point they've made their escape and they've fallen into a nest of jackdaws. So like, you know, kind of crows mm-hmm. um, and the crows swarm them uh, and they have, they have to fight back. And, you know, the, they do manage to chase the the jackdaws off but uh in the fray they've dispersed all of uh scarecrow's straw so he's <laughs> just an empty suit of clothes right right um anyway the the nest is full of shinies because you know they're crow like um it's kind of like a uh kids dungeons and dragons dungeon mastering you know <laughs> and there's a diamond necklace that the tin man gets and tip gets a gold pocket watch and 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 i like that the uh, wooden sawhorse gets um i think they're called lorgnette it's like a opera glasses oh okay um, anyway uh so they lament scarecrow laments that he's he's got no bo- filling so he can't do anything and then tip advises wait a minute there's a lot of money around here let's stuff him with that so <laughs> They stuff him with dollar bills, right? Like they fill one of his legs with $5 bills and <laughs> his torso is full of the of the high denomination bills. And at the end of the story, he remains full of money. Like Baum probably forgot another other of his uh, stories. Hmm. But canonically, at the end of the second story, Scarecrow is not full of straw. He's full of money, which I think is kind of funny. That's cute. Yeah. Anyway, uh <laughs> That's a little sidetrack from my, my main point here. Uh, I love uh, the Oz setting and stories, and it was fun to look at so many interpretations of them. I agree. Uh, it, mm. That was that wasn't like that, that, maybe that should be one of my honorable mentions too. But well, I guess it sort mm. of was. Yeah, yeah, on my list. But yeah, no, I agree. I I think it was a lot of fun to see all these various Wizards of Oz. Mm. Um. My number one, I honestly can't remember if it was on my list from the previous year or not, but I'm going to say mm. that this is the year where it really struck me. And that's Tex Avery. Ah. Just because I noticed, like, as I was looking through the episodes and I noticed early in the year was the one that you mentioned, the, the Tex and Chuck one. Yeah. The, the great, uh, what was it? Magical Maestro. Um, yes. And uh, the home of tomorrow. Yeah. And. This, I think, is the year... I That cartoon, Magical Maestro, I think I said at the yeah. time that it was probably going to be on my list at the end of the year, um, mm. which shows you how close to the previous top five it was. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think this is the year where I realized that I really like Tex Avery. Yeah. Um, 
where I really start looking for him, like understanding the difference in the directors. And you can to some extent, like there's one, there's a video that YouTube keeps recommending to me and I haven't watched it because I know what it's going to be. But the thumbnail is uh, mm. Daffy Duck as a cowboy with the other cowboy Nasty Canasta. And <laughs> yeah, just from that thumbnail, I'm like, oh, Chuck Jones directed that. I can just tell from that one still image that it's a Chuck Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And I love the I, the fact that I'm starting to notice the the, the the way that the different cartoon directors of the time, like their styles. Sure. Um, and Even just Eve, the mm-hmm. way they draw. Oh, de- yeah. And, and in correct drawings, you know, or the way animators uh, mold to emulate their style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Tex Avery, like, you think about the stuff that he, like, the droopy cartoons. He did all the droopy cartoons. Um, and that one, what was the, the uh, Droopy's Double Trouble, was it called? With his twin brother, Drippy? I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, that was so funny. Um, even the Chili Willy one, I'm Cold. That was f- funny. You, you recommended a lot. There's also the, uh, going way back for him, the, uh, the one with the duck and the, uh, um, it was, it was a parrot and a duck and the parrot wanted to be a sailor. Remember? Oh, I want to be a sailor. Yeah. Well, Did sure. Tex okay. Avery do <laughs> that? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Real early in his career. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, apparently I went harder into it than you did, but, um, mm. but I guess it's because I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. And, and it all started because you gave me that magical maestro. So, so maybe that should be at the top of the list. Magical Maestro, but um, Tex Avery in general, and also learning the styles of the different animators. Mm-hmm. Dixieland Droopy as well. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that hilarious bit with uh, his butt getting cut off and then dancing back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, those are pretty good lists, I think. Um, yeah. All right. Let's see. I guess I'll, I'll, I got a couple bits of news aside from that. Um, okay. Okay. So you remember I was proposing an alternate reality where adult animation took off. Yeah. So it was all that old crud, including way too many Paul Newman movies. Yeah. <laughs> I got another one. Okay. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the cartoon. <laughs> so like the, the opening credits would open with that most famous scene where they're poised to escape the lawmen by jumping off the cliff. And Redford goes, I, I can't swim. And then Newman replies, ah, hell, the fall will probably kill you. <laughs> and in this case, when they jump, just as about to hit the water, all of a sudden the theme comes up and they've licensed out, uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> and uh, and it mostly shows like stuff from the movie, you know, like Paul Newman riding the bike and then uh, them using too much dynamite on the safe and blowing up the train car and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and uh, see, the thing is, though, uh, in this cartoon version, uh, they don't just think that Lawman LaFors and his posse has followed them to Bolivia. He, in fact, has. And, in fact, each episode, they are in a different place in the world. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> robbing banks and trains and then running afoul of the local law. And, and then, then uh, uh, Lawman LaFors and his posse show up. So they skip town and go to another country uh, that is, say, uh, Butch and uh, <laughs> Sundance and Etta, um, you know. So uh, now there is a actual cartoon called Butch Sundance 
or sorry, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Mm-hmm. It's about a music band, like a teen band, <laughs> like the course. Archies kind of. Yeah, of course. So this cartoon would have to be called The Real Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, <laughs> so that's 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 my. Uh... <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I want somebody to make that cartoon. Like maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but I like the idea. I mean, it's better if you have a reference to uh, oh, know, sure. attribute it to. But like the idea of criminals that are constantly being chased by or they're they're in a different country doing some kind of a crime specific to that country. And then this same yeah. lawman that's been tracking them down. Huh. Well, you know, now that I'm saying about, it out, now that I'm saying it out loud, this is an alternate reality. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Well, I was going to say Lupin the third, but either mm. way. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, let's see. The other thing I have to deliver on is last week. I mentioned that I was going to watch my father's dragon. Hmm. This is a animated movie from cartoon saloon. Right. Um, so my evaluation is there's the good and the bad in this. Um, the characterization is good and you get some real quirky designs. There's like, one of those long uh, build alligators in this. It looks pretty funny. Okay. Um, I guess I should detail a little bit. Uh, the the main character Elmer is a boy who um, his his mother's candy shop falters, and they have to move to the big city, and so he has is full of anxiety because you know what are they going to do now? Uh, they have to restart, but it ends up. He ends up going on a fanciful journey um, to a, a island called Wild Island, ruled by animals. And there, he has to rescue a dragon whom they're using to uh, keep the island from sinking. They've got him, like, all tethered up, so they force him to fly up every time the island starts to sink. Hmm. Um, so, it really picks up when Elmer gets to the island. And, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I will say, though, that Boris the Dragon is sort of a pale version of goofy animated characters from feature movies you'd see, like, from Disney or Pixar. Mm. Um, which may seem unfair, but I think at this point, I kind of got to weigh cartoon saloon features with the big boys if they're going to make something like this. Mm. Um, so, yes, at times, Boris is kind of pathetic you know like when he's trying to prove that he could do something he was trying to make fart noises with his armpit and it kind of left me thinking oh okay sure <laughs> um so that's what i'm saying there's the good and the bad there's kind of a heavy-handed allegory for for facing not facing your fears but uh, dealing with your fears hmm. and also what adults have to do so like i say it's, it's not subtle but it is a focus that i like so overall i would say it's worth your watch. I don't think it's great. I think the other Cartoon Saloon movies are better, but pretty good overall. It's it's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. So unlike uh, their their other stuff that's in Apple TV limbo. Yeah. So the, yeah. So there's you know there's no real excuse not to watch it if you want to because it's right there on the yep. streaming service that everybody is subscribed to. So all right. Sure. All right, why don't we get to your news, Matsy? Okay, I didn't get to watch much cartoons uh, this week. Mm. I suppose I could have. Um, mm. So the reason why this episode is a week late 
is because in the middle of, I've been kind of dealing with this uh, for a few months now, and it all came to a head in the middle of December when despite the fact that I am a man, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And mm. it was quite quick to go from you have breast cancer to the next week, uh, an appointment with a specialist to the next week being in the hospital, having a mastectomy. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, mastectomy, if you don't know, is the removal of a breast. Now I don't have developed breasts like a woman would, but you, you know, if you're a man, you know, you have nipples and a fatty pad around that nipple. Well, hmm. I only have one now. The left side of my body well, right now is bandaged, but it is flat and not fatty. Um, but it's also not cancerous, I think. Uh, I'm still waiting for the pathology because they also removed, they went into my armpit and removed some lymph nodes to see hmm. if any cancer cells had spread from the tumor that I had in my chest. Um, what do I say about that experience? Uh, it was surgery, which is... Surgery isn't as scary as you, I mean, if, I guess if it's serious surgery, it can be, but for something like this, where it's not really life-threatening, it's really just mm. a matter of sitting around in the hospital, having things stabbed into you multiple times. The injections before the surgery were the worst part. Because mm, okay. I had to, what I had to do on the day was, I had to uh, drive over, well, my dad had to drive me, because coming back, I wasn't going to be able to handle myself. Um, so I had to drive over to one hospital and get injected with a radioactive dye so they could take some images of my lymph nodes. And that hurt a lot because the, the stuff they were injecting into me, as I understand it, was quite thick. And so yeah. it doesn't just squirt into your muscle effortlessly. It's like, it's like, here's the little poke of the needle. And now here's the bad part when we actually put the stuff into <laughs> you. And it's like, got to put my weight behind this plunger. Well, it's like this thick stuff just squishing into your muscle. It's like, oh, mm. that hurts. But I got through that. And then we had to run over to the other hospital where the actual surgery was going to happen. And we got there a little bit early. And so I had to sit around for a long time, which was kind of amusing because I got to hear what uh, everybody, everybody else's ailment was. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody with a hernia, somebody with... The, I don't know, something else going on with them. Um, but then I got another injection of another thick fluid in my arm. This was a, um, I'm not sure if it's a blood thinner, but it was something to prevent blood clots. Mm. And that went into my arm and it was the same thing where it's a thick fluid that really hurt. Ironically. Yeah. And yeah. then huh. came the IV, which is not just a simple needle. It's actually putting a plastic catheter into my vein. And so that's also very painful. So in, you know, in the span of a few hours, I had three of the most painful injections I've had in my life. Uh, the fourth one being the IV I got in my first surgery uh, back in 1991 or so. Um, but then it was just kind of, okay, sit here, close your eyes, and it's done. Surgery, hmm. for anyone who's had surgery, it, you don't even know it's happened. It's not like being asleep. It's like literally right. you close your eyes, you open your eyes and it's over. 
Like there's right. no, no dreams. Yeah. There's yeah. no constant. Cause when you sleep, you're aware that you have been unconscious for a while with surgery. Mm. It's like boop, done. But then it was just the recovery process where I stayed with my parents for six days, just, you know, trying to get a range of movement back in my arm. Um, I still have this little drain thing attached. It's a tube that's in my body. It's coming <laughs> out of my chest near my armpit, collecting yeah. fluid. Hopefully it's almost done. I can get it removed when I have had less than 30 milliliters of, of fluid over a 24-hour period for two days in a row. What, do you take it out and empty it like a cartridge or something? It's, the, the plastic bulb has, it's a tube going into it, and then mm. there's another little, like, um, opening at the top with a stopper. Mm. So I can take that out, and I have a graduated cylinder that I squeeze the fluid into before and I measure it and write it down and record it and it's getting less and less like so far today I can see from my records that I've had 17 milliliters of fluid Hmm. Um, and I'm due to empty it again so if I can get less than 13 milliliters next time I empty it I'll be in good shape um I don't know this is this is all very gross and not interesting but well I'm no well well I'm we're all glad. I'm glad that you're doing better than you caught this really early. Apparently, yeah. Um, I'm hoping. Like, uh, you know, I won't know for sure until I talk to the doctor and she tells me there's no cancer anywhere in my body anymore. And that'll be great. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that I might be done because I didn't have to do any chemotherapy or anything. And I've had pe- I've had people tell me the fact that they went right to the surgery without doing chemotherapy first to shrink the tumor was a good mm-hmm. sign. Okay. So I'll I'll defer to their... Because everybody I talk to seemed to have some kind of a story. Oh, my mom had breast cancer. Oh, my dad had um, liver cancer. Um, mm. Everybody knows somebody who had cancer in some way, and they all had, had happy endings, which kind of makes me wonder if maybe I was only hearing from the people who had the happy endings. I guess. Um, that makes sense, yeah. But, but uh, yeah... I'm hoping that I'm through this, and once I get this big wound on my chest healed up, I'm not too, I'm not, like I said, I'm a man. I'm not too broken up about the fact that I lost a nipple. I, I like to mm. say I wasn't using it anyway. Um, okay. So now I'm just kind of looking with interest. Like, I'm really like, what is this going to look bet. like when the bandage is off? I want to see. I'll bet. It's like you get like a weird thing on your tooth and you have to keep licking it all the time. I'd be... <laughs> I'd be like feeling my chest all the time and, you know, I kind of am because it's like compared to the other side, it's like there's a crater in my chest and it's kind Mm. of sore, but also a little numb. And I'm like, is it always going to be sore? Is this bump that I'm feeling? Is this the catheter that's going into me or is this muscle? Um, Is it always going to be this numb? Like, I'm Mm. I'm really curious about what what life is going to be like for that side of my body from now on. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so the moral of the story is, if you see any weird lumps in your chest, men, don't assume that it's nothing because you're a man. Because men can absolutely get breast cancer as well. Hmm. Uh, so be vigilant. Um, also probably get your prostate checked. Eeks. Anyway, uh... How about we well, move from one cancer to another? Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, cancer's pretty unpleasant, but good thing we have cartoons, right? All right, I'm looking at Ned's Newt. Ugh. It was created by Andy Knight and Mike Burgess and debuted in 1999. Oof. So, 
Okay, it's been a while since I'd watched Ned's Newt, and you know, the theme song to this show is not as bad as I remember it. <laughs> but it's still an unappetizing blend of a catchy tune that I don't like. <laughs> um, it pretty much tells the story. Uh, Ned Flemkin is a little kid, and he buys a blue newt as a pet, which he names Newton. It's disappointingly lethargic. It was barely alive Ooh. until he feeds it Zippo Newt food. Then it becomes so enormous, baby. It talks and it can do pretty much any magic thing it wants to. I think you have an apt comparison, Matsy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Um, this is the genie from Disney's Aladdin. Yeah, except why did they copy the Dan Castellaneta version? <laughs> it, well, I don't know. Like, maybe that's what they had at the time. Like, I'm trying to remember when, because for those who don't know, uh, Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin came out in 1992 with Robin Williams as the genie. He mm. was spectacularly underpaid. And so he said, screw you guys. I'm going home. And so it wasn't it wasn't that actually. No. He had a deal that they that limited the amount they were allowed to use the genie in promotion. Oh. And they broke it. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, when they came, it came time to make a straight-to-video sequel, as Disney did at that time. Uh, they got mm. Dan Castellaneta to do the voice of the genie, and he continued to do the voice of the genie as they made a TV series. And then they made a third movie, straight-to-video, uh, Aladdin and... What's it called? The King of Thieves? Yeah. Yeah. And that was Ali the Baba and, yeah, 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 that was the spectacular return of Robin Williams. It was like he was he was like billed at the billboards like starring Robin Williams and like he, the genie was all over this thing. And I'm trying to remember when that came out. Hmm. Um well, Dan Castellaneta, I of course love Homer Simpson, but he is a second-class genie. And uh Harlan Williams as Newton the Newt is a third-class genie. Yeah. There's some generation loss here. So, anyway, this uh, Newton tries to meddle. Sometimes Ned actually asks for his help. And regardless, everything always goes sideways. It's Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but with a genie, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so there's half-episodes in these episodes. The first one I'm looking at is Cyranute de Bergerac, written by Darwin C. Vickers. Uh, the story begins at a town council meeting. Uh, the mayor propose, uh, proposes control of pollution by eliminating all cars and streets, you know, like SimCity. I was uh, going to say, I was going to yeah. say, that's what you do in Super NES SimCity. You don't do roads, yeah. you just do mass transit. They complain, but you know what's good for them. And so does this mayor, apparently, because he wants to replace all the roads with canals like Venice. Uh, he doesn't even cover his conflict of interest in hiring his brother to dig and construct these canals. So, even so, the people, including Ned's parents, leave with a positive opinion about the proposal. Uh, at this time, Ned gets done with his ballet practice. You see, his crush on a girl, Linda, runs so deep that he joins any activity that she's interested in just to be near her. Newton, currently in his big mode, teases him about this. And, apropos of nothing, Newton treats us to impressions of Danny DeVito, Humphrey Bogart, and Sean Connery, all within 20 seconds, none of them good. Yeah. 
Um, Ned resolves to stop being such a love fool. But when Linda announces that she's joining the debate team, Ned's on board too. Hey. Of course, Ned misses the point of debate and he simplifies to only always agreeing with Linda. Uh, the topic of their next meeting is announced, a debate over the plan to replace streets with canals. At the council meeting where the town will vote for the matter? What? Really? Okay. Hmm. They're just going to have the elementary school debate at first. Um, so, troubled with having uh, with the prospect of having to debate against Linda, which is weird since he didn't take it seriously the first time, Ned um, gets some some advice from Newton with way too many costume changes and funny voices. Newton advises Ned that he should oppose her because that will make Linda respect him. And accordingly, he scorches her by reading Newton's script. He hands it over on the tip of his rapier while dressed as a French soldier. So that's why the title alludes to Cyrano de Bergerac. Right. Um, the speech wins the approval of the attendees at the council meeting, but it's cruel personal attacks that drive Linda away in tears. In fact, she supposedly is going to move away. And actually, the canals are a bad idea, too. It's wet and it's awkward for everyone. Anyway, a new town meeting is held at the behest of this elementary school kid. Hmm. Ned, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ned begins talking to the crowd eloquently enough, but the Zippo food runs out and Newton shrinks limply back into a regular Newt on his typewriter. Luckily for Ned, Linda, having had time to think it over, comes to Ned's defense. She reasons that Ned needed to convince everyone because only trying it out would make these idiots realize that it was stupid. How contrived. <laughs> um, so this contrivance from another elementary schooler is good enough for the town, and Ned is in good with Linda again, and presumably all the streets get paved over for future episodes. Presumably. Uh, by hmm? Presumably. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, by the way, the next proposed project for the town is a monorail. A genuine, bonafide, electrified six-car monorail. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because his cousin uh, has a parents... monorail company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this whole show is pretty referential. Uh, Ned's parents have some running gags in this, like the father being hurt from operating a gondola. Mm -hmm. You know, I presume that I would like his parents more than I did. I don't like them. <laughs> his mom has the every cartoon was, mom has this friggin accent and it drives the me Minnesota insane. nice yes like yeah Louis's mom had it in life with Louis um the worst ironically less pronounced yeah than some of these other ones the yeah worst one of all is Bobby's mom in Bobby's world oh I oh, right. hated that character so much and every cartoon mom has this frigging voice why are they all from Wisconsin or Minnesota? Especially since this is clearly set in Toronto. You can see the CN Tower and there's Canadian flags everywhere. Right. Well, it's not that far. Yeah. She could have immigrated. Heck, it's not that culturally far. Mm. They say pop in Michigan. Anyway. Hmm. Um, so the second part here. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. There's more. Yeah, there's more Ned's Newt. It's The Boy Who Newt Too Much, written by Keith McWilliams. Okay, so Ned plans to finish his collection of ninja fish from the Outback by recording the last episode he needs. Um, so listeners, remember those days when you'd set up your VHS tapes to record from television? 
Uh, maybe it go won't go as well as he hopes, since his father disconnected the good TV aerial because of mistrust, because of a time when it was struck by lightning. Anyway, boy, Ned leaves boy, first. Boy, boy. Yeah. Yeah, boy, I mean, boy, boy. VHS, you know, at the time, yeah. 1999 was just when DVDs were starting to show up. So okay. I can't blame this show for having a VHS, but no. I do blame Ned for still having like over the air with antennas television in 1999. Dude. Well, sure. It's, it, it, I don't know how you'd get to this premise with a, with a cable, with a big coax cable. You wouldn't, but at the same time, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's a cartoon thing. Oh, there's the TV with the rabbit ears on top, but dude. It's 1999. <laughs> People are talking on the internet by now. It's a non-starter for you. We wouldn't have written this episode, I guess. Um, mm, not like this, at least. Well, okay, so here's Maybe, okay, he, Ned, he, Newton can do whatever he wants. Maybe he would have made some kind of, like, super cable. Like, he would have gone around town <laughs> and he found, he found some big, huge, thick cable. And he's like, this will give us all the reception. And, like, plug it into the TV, like, just jam it in. Um, right. but it turns out it was, well, you, I mean, I haven't, yeah, yeah I mean, you're on, you're on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, while Ned's gone, Newton tries to ensure the quality of the recording by reconnecting that antenna. It doesn't work out so well. So he rebuilds it as an unnecessarily tall and powerful antenna and treat for us. He gives us allusions to Ed Grimley, Fiddler <laughs> on the Roof, the play, uh, and Field of Dreams, the movie. Ed Grimley. <laughs> Bad Ed Grimley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> They, so later on, Ned and Newton are reviewing the recording and they find that because a spy satellite collided with the absurdly tall antenna, they got a top secret message, but they don't actually watch long enough to hear what it is. Anyway, they hide thinking that secret agents are coming in the house, but it's just Ned's parents. The Flemkin adults take their rental tape and return it to the store, but you can bet that they pulled the switcheroo and grabbed the wrong tape. Hmm. Just afterward, actual secret agents bust in to interrogate Ned and Newton. And wait, isn't Newton supposed to be a secret? I he's don't a ma know. He's like magically... Hmm? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's magically quick-changing in front of them, and at one point even turns into a cannon. I'll, I don't know. I'll come back to this during my wrap-up analysis. <laughs> okay. Um, Newton helps Ned escape. His parents aren't so lucky, picked up at the rental store, and thrown into a van. Ned tries to get the tape back from the store in order to save his parents, but it's already been outsourced to Prague to be rewound. I kind of um, like that. I kind of like I kind of like this recurring gag where they're like they can't do anything in store. Like everything has to be done in a far flung right. country. Right. That's not bad. Um Yeah. <laughs> You'll never laugh at it because of all the dressing that's around it. Well, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, as Ned leaves the store, a suspicious lady hands a game card to Ned. The game card, it turns out, hides a key to a locker at the train station. Ironically, uh, that locker has a plane ticket. To <laughs> I that is I funny, isn't it? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it says train station in the background. Anyway, um, the plane tickets to Madrid in Spain. And uh, strangely, those two are the only ones on the flight, except for an enemy spy who tries to strong arm the tape from them. They get away by falling out of the plane because they're cartoons. Uh, Ned drifts down by using Newton as a parachute. Of course. Uh, but they land in the flip top of a mountain secret base on an island. Yep. 
and inside is a bunch of high-tech soldier guys, but they just escape in a helicopter. Um, they do eventually get to Prague, but the tape isn't there either. It's been sent to Austria to be recased. And that suspicious lady from earlier advises Ned to take a train to Vienna to meet a man in a trench coat under the big clock at midnight. There's a bunch of spy-like people there, but the right one hands off the tape to Ned. And then the bad guy Stooges try to jump Ned and Newton, but they escape in a biplane that's just parked on the street. Um, they fly across the ocean, one surmises, because... Uh, and because Newton reverts into a simple newt, the, the food wore off, they crash the plane into lackluster video headquarters. And hey, it's that lady ready to receive the tape. Um, in the end, the Flemkins are on vacation on the beach, still thinking that their whole kidnapping was just a vacation reward for a James Brown impression. Don't worry about it. That's how it ends. Yeah. Okay. So, this was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I remember disliking this show, but I don't remember it being this intolerable. Oh, I remember not watching this show. Like, you know, if I had some time to kill, this was not how I killed it. Mm -hmm. This is, I whinged through this whole experience. I could hardly, like, look directly at the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I like, didn't I, was, I didn't I no. I watched this show as a podcast I opened up a a, a line oh, really? I opened up a line puzzle in another browser tab and just listened to it Ooh, well you got the worst part maybe you need it diluted a little bit mm. it's, it's like this show is like garlic and we're like vampires oh boy oh, it's oh, terrible wow. this is the worst thing Nilvana's ever made is my bet hmm. this makes mad balls look entertaining <laughs> And it lived for three seasons. Jeez. I know. I was considering, I was considering if four back-to-back -back episodes of this is worse than Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not going to do this test, but uh, I think Eight Crazy Nights is probably still worse. But I don't know. Bad. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. like, this is aggressively annoying. Yes. And it's mostly the newt, but yeah. the rest of it's not that great either. I mean... Ned is okay. <laughs> I f forgot to joke that uh, that whole spy escapade uh, is what l what leaded, led to him becoming number one on Kids yeah, Next Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks just like him, yeah. He looks the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the, the nude is the worst part by far. Ugh. Harlan Williams, for most of the show, voices him. And you were talking about, like, uh, uh, this being an imitation of the genie. Harlan Williams, this was when Jim Carrey was hot. They were looking for, like, oh... There's another Canadian who talks funny and makes some funny faces. <laughs> Maybe he's the thing. Yeah. Actually, I'm jumping on him, but he's consistently worked. So he gets, he keeps on, you know, appearing in pretty big stuff. But, mm. but yeah, anyway, this, he's terrible. <laughs> well, yeah. he, okay. If, if he's going to do so many impressions. Now I know voice actors, um, you have to know how to act. It's not good enough that you just are able to do a bunch of impressions. But for a character like this, shouldn't you be able to do some impressions as a starting point? Yeah. Yeah. They're all bad. Um, um, yeah. Tracy Moore, on the other hand, voices Ned. Uh, and Princess Toadstool in Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. Neat. Yeah. And she voiced Sailor Moon for the first 13 Deke episodes. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Watching this, 
I always said, you know, the this newt is basically like, you know, they just decided, hey, let's rip off the genie because people like the genie. Yes. But as I was watching this, there was a point where in the second episode where Ned gets home and Newton is acting like it's a movie theater. You know, he's like he like throws Ned onto the couch and he's like creating a movie theater experience and everything. And Ned gets a smile on his face like he's enjoying all the fun they're having. And it's mm. at this point that I realized they're not just doing the genie. They're doing Beetlejuice. This is and to <laughs> the point that I actually yes. scoured the credits to see if anybody who had a minor role in the Beetlejuice cartoon got to expand it for this. There were no common names other than the three people who founded Nelvana and served as executive sure. producers. So there is no yep. real crossover. But I couldn't get that thought out of my head as I was watching it. It was like, this isn't just ripping off the genie. This is them. This is Nelvana sure. redoing the Beetlejuice cartoon. And, and many a time, or at least a few times anyway, Beetlejuice appears as the fish in a bowl in, to Lydia. <laughs> yeah, just like Newt is in his fishbowl. Yeah. And years later, just like uh, the Fairly Odd Parents are in their fishbowl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a repeating pattern yeah. here. So that's my... Uh, excuse for why Newton can do all his stuff in front of these people. He's Mr. Beetleman. Uh, oh, right. But okay. uh, the other, the other, <laughs> the, the joy that I got out of this was when I went to one of the late episodes of Beetlejuice to see the credits and watched mm -hmm. the, the intro. I think it was like the third intro sequence that the Beetlejuice cartoon had. Not, mm -hmm. not the really good one, but I mean, the music is still no. great, but the, but as I, was watching that uh, title sequence, I suddenly realized how much it reminded me of rock and rule. Oh, so okay. there, this cartoon reminded me of a cartoon that I like and reminded me of a movie that I like. So, uh, sideways thumbs up to things somewhat adjacent to Ned's newt. Oh, this is trash. Yeah. This is trash. Let's, no, no, it's let's it's swab bad. this clean. Yeah, no. Huh? Let's huh? go from. Yeah, yeah. We need to clean it yeah. up. Uh, we'll go from one of the worst cartoons we've watched to what is widely considered one of the best cartoons ever made. SpongeBob mm. SquarePants. Uh, I was disappointed that the version that I found didn't have the intro sequence because I think oh. I think that the SpongeBob SquarePants theme, you know, the show's been on for a long time. But mm -hmm. I think that the theme has become a cartoon classic in the vein of, like, the Simpsons or the Flintstones. Like It's been on longer than most cartoons. Yeah, I, I think so, the SpongeBob yeah. SquarePants theme song might be one of the great theme songs in television history. Oh, good lyrics, too. Yeah, yeah. Then fall to the deck and flop like a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. It's great. Um, but I'm looking at a couple of episodes. Uh, the first one is called The Great Snail Race. Mm. So, oh, I should explain the concept of this show for those who don't know. Uh, it's set in the mm. bottom of the sea at Bikini Bottom, where the main character is a sponge, a sea sponge named SpongeBob SquarePants. He has a best friend, a dumb starfish named Patrick Star. Uh, and SpongeBob lives in a pineapple under the sea. And mm. Patrick lives under a rock, or maybe it's a turtle. Um, it's a rock. Yeah. Well, I, I'm led to believe that there's actually an episode. Maybe you told me this, actually. No, um, no. Somebody recently told me that there's an episode where it turns out that the rock 
is actually a turtle. Um, it's just been asleep hmm. in its shell for so long that a bunch of dirt grew on its shell. Um, oh, and so there right. was an episode about an argument over whether, like, who owned that plot of land or whatever. But anyway, that's not important. Yeah. Um, the the two are best friends, but they live in houses that are separated with another house between them. A tiki head inhabited by a squid named Squidward. Uh, and Squidward is annoyed by the two dumbasses. It also doesn't help that Squidward works with SpongeBob at a fast food joint called the Krusty Krab, owned and operated by the money-grubbing miser crab, Eugene Krabs. That's basically the idea of the show. There's some other characters. There's a a squirrel who is the combination of every trait that they gave token females. She's Texan. She likes karate. She's a scientist. Uh, and mm. she lives in a... She's, you know, under the sea. She always wears a, you know, deep sea diving suit and lives in an air-filled dome with a tree in it. Um... And SpongeBob also has a pet snail named Gary. And this is important for this episode. He, he meows. He's basically a cat. At what point do you think the parents lost the thread of what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is what the kids like nowadays, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the great snail race opens with uh, SpongeBob uh, waking up with a trumpet and kind of annoying Gary with it. But the important thing is happening next door where Squidward is receiving a package that he's been waiting for. Turns out it's a purebred snail named Snelly. Now, SpongeBob is happy about this uh, snail that Gary has a new playmate, but SpongeBob, no, not SpongeBob, Squidward, is quite snooty about it because this is a purebred snail. She's got papers and everything, and tomorrow she's going to win the great snail race. And SpongeBob starts to feel like Maybe Squidward thinks that his snail is better than SpongeBob's. This prompts Patrick to decide to get a snail and enter it in the snail race. And SpongeBob thinks also this is a good idea. And so he goes mm. into hardcore coach mode. He starts mm. running Gary ragged, although Gary just wants to watch TV. But he's it's all the, you know, the the tropes of training montages, you know, a a power shake that's a slurry of gross ingredients. I did like that he added nails to make him tough. Tough as nails. Yeah, you know? And yeah. eggs, because it's cliche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, he's also, like, put on a red tracksuit yeah. and mustache, yes. so he looks like Bella Corogli, that uh, abusive gymnastics coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Patrick has his own snail, which is a rock. Uh, and whenever mm -hmm. anybody points out that it's a rock, he just says, thanks, he's really tough. Um... Mm -hmm. I liked a scene here where Gary's watching TV and SpongeBob is yelling at him and then Squidward's head pops in through the window. Yes. And then <laughs> Patrick's head pops out in the window above. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what is Patrick standing on? And then Squidward asks exactly that. And it turns out that it's Squidward's yeah. shoulders. So I always like it when a cartoon is one step ahead of me when I'm viewing its weird little plot holes. Speaking of steps that the windows are portholes oh, yeah. for the nautical theme is also kind of funny in its own right. Yeah, true. Uh, so this montage just has SpongeBob screaming at Gary while Gary's trying to do normal things like shower and go to the toilet mm. and sleep. Mm. But the next day is the big snail race. It's the hundred and something snail race. And there's a gag with the very first winner 
who's a very, very old snail who there's a running gag in SpongeBob where uh, something will be happening and there will a the narrator who is a Jacques, not Clouseau, Cousteau, Cousteau, Jacques Cousteau yeah. parody French accent says like two hours later. Something like that. Mm. That happens at least once an episode in my experience. I was also sad that these episodes didn't start with a narrator going, ah, zissi, or something like that. Because yeah. most of them do, but this one didn't. How about, did you notice uh, what song the brass band was playing as that uh, champion oh, came in? I did, but what was it? It's the Now That We're Men theme song <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the race is on. We got Snelly, Gary, and Rocky, which makes me wonder who Snelly was going to compete against if the other two hadn't decided right. to <laughs> participate. Maybe maybe they all conceded when they saw Snelly coming. Oh, maybe. Oh, no. Maybe, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Now, Rocky is a rock, and Gary is just ragged. He's just been beaten to death. The start goes off, and Snelly slithers away as a snail does down the track. Hmm. Neither of the other two move. And SpongeBob has to scream at Gary in his hardcore coaching mode to get him to start sliming his way down the track. But then, oh, and by the way, you had told me that this episode was banned. And so I was constantly looking for what banned it. It wasn't this part, I don't think. I know. I Well, we'll get but to that later. It, I still warned you. I, I still warned you. This is rough. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was looking for the thing that was banning this episode. With the back of my yeah. mind, maybe it's the second half that's the big problem. But yeah. I've still got my eye out for it. Um, and speaking of which, Gary's eye blows up. And then his other eye blows up. This is a blowout in racing terms. His shell explodes, revealing the engine underneath. And I'm... I'm thinking like, oh, did Gary replace himself with a robot or what's going on? But no, it's just a a NASCAR joke because he spins out and crashes in a flaming (laughs) crash, which all the bored fans cheer for because they come to the races for the explosions. Hmm. Now SpongeBob realizes the error of his ways and runs up to console and comfort Gary. And inches from the finish line, Snelly stops and turns back to also comfort Gary. Turns out these two snails like each other. Yeah. And and Gary has an instant recovery. Yeah. 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 And then out of nowhere, Rocky is at the finish line and Rocky wins. (laughs) Hey, it's absurd, but it's funny. So fine. Yeah. I knew something was going to happen with Rocky. I knew there was Mm -hmm. a reason he was going to be there. Uh, In the end, SpongeBob apologizes for driving Gary too hard. And Patrick, it turns out, he knew that that Squidward really wanted to win this race. And so he had them engrave Squidward's name on the trophy. But in running with the running gag of this episode where the last name Tentacles is uh, rethought as Tennis Balls or what was was the second thing? Uh, I don't remember. There was something else, but it's signed Squidward Tortellini. And they all laugh in a clashy cliched cartoon ending. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was a lot of fun. Pretty fun. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. good. That was all right. And now we get to the second half. Uh, midlife frustration. Oh, my gosh. Do I have tongue cancer? Take two. Mid- yeah. mi- midlife crustacean. Yeah. 
So Mr. Krabs wakes up to a song about how old you are, and he looks in the mirror and kind of notices all the things the song is talking about are afflicting him. But what I really liked about this scene was the fact that in the bathroom, did you notice next to the toilet on the wall was a toilet paper roll? But it wasn't toilet paper, it was rope? Huh. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, it's a... I guess it's a nautical theme thing, but I'm. It makes me wonder how this works. That's but weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just absurd enough that I was like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, Mr. Krabs has a daughter, <laughs> a whale, a very small whale, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a competition. It's, it's actually one of the things Hillenberg, the uh, creator of the show, has declared is that we should never see uh, Pearl's mother. Okay. But there was like, uh, I was looking up at this, there there was a magazine, I think in Britain, that uh, proposed that readers draw what they think Pearl's <laughs> mother looks like. And they had a diagram that was like, Pearl plus crabs equals. But really, when you think about it, it's Pearl minus crabs equals. Yes, I agree. But at any rate, yeah, she looks just like a whale. So I guess the smallness is what she gets from him. Yeah. It also bugs me that she's constantly underwater because whales do need to breathe air, you know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mr. Krabs questions her as to whether he is old, and she agrees that he is, but he's supposed to be because he's her dad. Um, and he decides to try being cool, although Pearl informs him that cool is no longer cool. The cool word now hmm. is coral. But as soon as he tries saying things are coral, co coral becomes uncool. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's so good. Ew. When you say it, it sounds so uncoral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then good. as soon as she's yeah. gone, she pulls out her cell phone and tells her friends that coral is out. Yeah. So Mr. Krabs goes to work. Uh, he finds himself helped across the street by a Boy Scout. He finds somebody getting annoyed with him for walking too slow down the road and having his blinker on. And mm. finally... He ends up stumbling upon a line of old people apparently waiting to get into the graveyard, which is pretty funny. Yes. Although, oh, it's awesome. Although it turns out they're actually waiting at the ice cream cart. Yeah. But now Mr. Krabs is totally deflated. At his restaurant, he overhears a little kid saying that his Krabby Patty feels, tastes weird. And his mom says it's because he's old and dry, like that guy over there. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Krabs is becoming resigned to just being an old man. But then Patrick shows up and he can't help but overhear Patrick and SpongeBob yelling about the cool fun they're going to have as young hip kids that night. Hmm. Mr. Krabs decides that he wants to come along. And so they make the play date. They show up at his house and their Mr. Krabs first uh, clue that something is not right is the fact that the wheels that they claim to have by the way, recurring thing here, SpongeBob doesn't have his boating license so that yeah. they have an excuse for him to be a uh, school student uh, at boating school with Miss okay. Puff, yeah. the pufferfish. And I was right. thinking that. I'm like, wait a minute. SpongeBob can't drive. Ah, but it turns out so they have. You, hmm? <laughs> you were ahead of the game. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm ahead of the yeah. game a lot in this episode. Um, okay. But it turns out they have a tandem bike. Built for two, but they can tie a wagon to the back to drag Mr. Krabs around in. <laughs> uh, Mr. Krabs yeah. is already starting to regret things, especially as some young, cool punks start making fun of SpongeBob, and he is oblivious. 
but they head down to the cool place, the wash. But inside, it turns out it's a laundromat, and uh, SpongeBob and Patrick's idea of a good time is watching laundry spin around. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Mr. Krabs is not really uh, convinced by this, but their next event is going to be even better. It's picking up trash under the overpass. Hmm. He's not feeling young and hip, but SpongeBob tells him that he will soon, and it's at this point that I realize, oh, this is the episode that that meme comes from. Right. Because now comes a montage of them doing childish, boring things like being in a kiddie pool, riding on the rides in front of the supermarket, fixing a roof, all the while SpongeBob asking, are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Hmm. Not yet. So yeah, this is where that comes from. All right. But finally, <laughs> at a little kid party place called, I think it's called Bunny Buns. It's like yeah, Chuck yeah. E. Cheese, I guess. This is where Mr. Krabs blows his top. He declares that Patrick and SpongeBob are not coral. They are lame. And he storms off to home. But this got my small pet peeve here. Yeah. Uh, when maypoles are animated, but the ribbons are all going in the same direction. <laughs> you can't do that. They got to interpolate. The people on the outside have to go one way and the inside have to go. Anyway, yeah. you know a lot about maypoles. <laughs> now, at this point, so let me slow down for a second. At this point, I know enough about cartoons that I'm kind of getting ahead of things. I'm thinking this is right. the point in the plot where he's going to go home and they're going to say a legitimately cool thing that he wants to be a part of. And then it'll end up backfiring mm -hmm. in some way. I'm prepared okay. for that, but I was not prepared for what Patrick said. And I know and the reason why this episode is banned. How did it even air? Once? I know. I OK, here's yeah. here's what happened. I'm sitting here just kind of listen. OK, yep. let's see what happens. And Patrick says that now Mr. Krabs is going to miss out on the panty raid. And Mr. Krabs and I have the same reaction, which is, yes, what? Wait a minute. Like, I, I already saw where the plot was going, but I'm like, hold on. Not this. Wait a minute. Yeah. The, the, there's a couple of possibilities here. One, he misheard him and it's actually something lame, but they've already done yeah. that and it's too late in the plot for that. The other possibility right. is that there, this is actually a panty raid. Oh my god, what? it was so surprising and so funny when I saw it. And it's like, panties, like girls, girl, girls, you know, like... Gr you're talking oh about stealing their underpants. And and Patrick's yes, like, yes. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, like, they are leaving no room for ambiguity here. They uh, yeah, are yeah. going to go and steal some lady's underwear. Yep. Um, like, at this point, I'm shocked, like, what... Okay, where can this go? Mm. And they get a let. And I'm thinking about the girls in the show. I'm thinking, okay, it wouldn't be Sandy because going into her play, because, you know, they wouldn't demean her you like know. that. Oh, I got to come back to yeah. the demeaning ladies thing. Um, okay. They wouldn't do that to Sandy. She's not that kind of character. <laughs> what are some other yeah. female characters? Hmm. There aren't many. So they go, they get a ladder, they climb up the side, they go into a window, and it's at this, at this, oh, and they go into the drawer, and there are... Not sexy panties, but like colorful, lacy panties right. in there. And it's at this, score. at this point, I'm realizing, oh, they never showed the house. 
But that's even worse because the implication there is that it's Mr. Krabs house and these are Pearl's panties. Oh, no. And no. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> they didn't go that oh, hard. no. Oh, no. No. Yeah. It's bad, but it's not that bad. It turns out that it's Mr. Krabs mother's house and it's her bloomers that they're stealing. Well, <laughs> she grounds Mr. Krabs for the rest of the night and SpongeBob apologizes, but it's okay. At least it made him feel younger as Mr. Krabs is lounging in his child race car bed. That is so funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, this was shocking. Um, and I see why this <laughs> I see why this episode aired. Um, I guess or, or I, I see well, why I it didn't can't, air. Or it can't I, air. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. wonder if the are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs, is people vicariously wanting to reference something from this episode, but not the dirty. Part? I reference this thing all the time. Yeah. Like, OK, so a lot of these lines don't work in t conversation, but it's just like little mantras mm. for for pepping myself up. <laughs> I'll say that uncoral line or I'll say that. Like, Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Yeah, yeah, they're playing you know, when they're play P tabletop role playing game. Point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, not lame, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or babies. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not lost. I got my compass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many good lines in this thing. <laughs> wow. Jokes per square inch, just dense. This is, this and none of them annoying. Oh, no. I forgot to mention the one thing that I always remembered that, that I kind of respected Ned's Newt for back in the day. Um, okay. There's one thing that I kind of respected Ned's Newt for back in the day. There was one mm. episode where he referenced enig the the quote was enigmatic popster Jarvis Cocker, and I was like, oh, okay. "Wow! Of all the celebrities you could have picked, you you pulled out the lead singer of the British band Pulp, who at that point was famous for trying to get on stage and beat up Michael Jackson one time." That's a weird thing about that show is the number of times they just say uh, celebrities and shows and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of weird that they didn't just say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, given. Yeah. But uh, uh, you've looped it back yeah, yeah. to Ned's Yeah, let's get by the yeah, yeah. No, SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants is yeah. pretty funny. Um, oh, the yeah. part that I forgot was that one of the uh, things that uh, SpongeBob was uh, trying to coach Gary with was... He called him, he's like, all right, ladies, whatever. And then he says, like, I called you a lady to belittle and demean you. And then, it, yeah. and I was like, ooh, uh. well, as soon as he said ladies, I was like, ugh. and then he said that. And I was like, ugh. and then it just cuts <laughs> yeah. to Sandy, the squirrel, the girl squirrel. Yeah. Walking along and stops and says, I don't know why, but I'm going to kick SpongeBob's butt tomorrow. And I was like, Yeah. Oh, and then that's what broke up the laughing at the end is that Sandy jumped in and kicked him. It's right. like, that's for yesterday. Yeah, that episode's pants. good too. It's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That one's good yeah, too. But no, the, but the standout is the main event is this one. Yeah. Um, SpongeBob. So you know, let's see. Um, what do you want? Well, the comedy in the show just works. Oh, it's so good. And I think I've always attributed it because for a long time in the early going, the creative director of the show was Derek Drymon, who went on to do a lot of work in Adventure Time as well. Oh, okay. So you can see that comedic pedigree yeah, there. Yeah. Um, they got a good voice no. cast. Tom oh, yes. Kenny is yes. flawless. Uh, yeah. I can't remember who does the voice of Mr. Krabs, but it always, you know, 
Clancy Brown, yeah, right? Uh, well, th- that could be the name. I don't remember. But the thing is, is it always gets me like that. It's, yeah. you know, I've had before. It's like, oh, wow. Michelangelo and the Tick were the same voice. Oh, wow. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and like uh, Tenderheart Bear are the same voice. It hmm. always blows my mind that the guy who does the voice of Mr. Krabs played the villain, the Kurgan in Highlander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, wild. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Hmm? I, had a, I, I had a note. Um, look this up because yeah. I remember it being. Uh, kind of, Bill. It was, it was the voice for Painty the Portrait. Painty the Portrait? Yeah, the Are You Ready Kids guy. Oh! I thought that was just Tom Kenny. No, but it's. Oh, it's going to bug me. Well, uh, I'll also mention Bill Faberbake. Um, I might be pronouncing that name wrong. Um, at that point, or at the point that SpongeBob SquarePants came on, he was best known as the dullard assistant coach, uh, <laughs> Dauber, in the sitcom Coach. But uh, boy, he's uh, got a new level of fame now as Patrick Starr. Also, he's the Scarecrow in uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Do you have your thing yet? What was I looking for this guy? It's Patrick Penny is the guy who has painted the portrait. I mean, he's mainframe in G.I. Joe, but that wasn't it. There was some. There was something wackier. Maybe we'll come back to it next I mean, he's week. He's a bunch of guys in robot chicken. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think it's gone. I think it's gone. I don't know. They're going to have to help us out yeah, in mean, this. Yeah. He might be the guy who gets beat up at the beginning of Terminator. Yeah. The guy at the bar? Anyway. Oh, well. Nope. I can't figure it okay. out. Okay. Well, the important thing is that SpongeBob SquarePants is a really fun cartoon. This episode was shocking uh, in a fun way. But hey, just like uh, um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I now know the origin of a meme. Um, (laughs) That's my role, I guess. Yeah, that's your role. Uh, So hooray for SpongeBob SquarePants and boo to Ned's Newt. Can we watch a good cartoon next week? Um... If you turn on your nostalgia goggles, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, next week, we're going to do one of our deep dives where we look at four episodes of a cartoon. Mm. Well, kind of. Mm. Uh, we're looking at The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> um, so by way of Episode Ninja that rates episodes of a series, we're going to look at their top three. And just to, just to clarify, um, this is actually the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. It's just that right, they're Friday yeah, on Fridays, they did The Legend of Zelda instead of Super Mario Brothers for the cartoon segment. Did uh, did they still have live action with Captain? Uh, they didn't, did I they? I think they might have. For the, oh, yeah, I bet. I can, I can imagine Luigi throwing to Legend of Zelda. Okay. Well, we'll find out, I yeah. guess. Um, so the, the number one, the best episode. Okay is The Missing Link. That's the 12th one. Next, they list Fairies in the Spring. That's 11. And then Sing for the Unicorn, episode 5. Should we watch these in reverse order? Like, work our way up to the best one? Oh, worst to best? Yeah, we could do that. Sing for the Unicorn, Fairies in the Spring, then Missing Link. Okay, but what about the fourth episode? Well, I thought it'd be fun. If we take their first appearance in Captain and the Game Master. Aw. And <laughs> that episode is Quest for the Potion of Power. Oh, boy. Right. 
All right. Oh, it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Surely you look forward to these on Fridays. Uh, to some extent. I did, at least. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, um, I looked forward to Captain N, too, until I saw what it was. Hey. Well, yeah, the potion all of power. Right, right. You know, like that famous potion that's in The Legend of Zelda that gives you power. That, eh. It might be very little interpretation, knowing the way they did these shows. Um, anyway, uh, that's next week. So until then, let us know what other things we should be watching and uh, give us some stuff to discuss. Yeah. I am on that cursed platform Twitter at DrabSwatch. I am also on Twitter at AC Matsy. Uh Get to us and tell us what you think about SpongeBob SquarePants. And have you ever heard of Ned's Newt? And if so... <laughs> How bad is it? Uh, is it? Hmm. Hey, yeah, there's a fun one. What's worse? Eight Crazy Nights or Ned's Newt? Hmm. hmm. Starting, uh, you, I think at the time you said that uh, Eight Crazy Nights might be the worst thing you had seen on the podcast. So I wonder, well, I wonder if we're starting off 2023 with like the worst thing you will watch in 2023. Hey, that's good news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only uphill from here. <laughs> anyway, uh... Yeah, so at Drabs Watch, at AC Matsy, and at the Celery Stalker slogan. Panty Raid? You're talking about girls, right? Girl girls? Yeah. And you're talking about raiding their dressers for their underpants, right? Oh, yeah. 